You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Favorite family prayer, shall we? As you say the words, I want you to say it not as a script, but say it with conviction. Okay, as we come in the name of the Father and of the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Everybody stretch your hands out into the heavens and say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healings, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I invite you, lift one hand towards the screen. We're going to sing in honor of God's word. Here we go. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Anyway, if you were not here during our series opening last Sunday, let me repeat this, okay? The reason why the series is called OG Tales is because we're studying the original tales of Jesus. It's more commonly known by other people as parables, okay? And last week, we studied the parable of the sower. Today, we are going to unpack another powerful parable. This is called the parable or the story of the wheat and the weeds, okay? I pray that you are going to be blessed by this. Let me give you the context first before we dive into the Word, okay? Because our message for today, it's a beautiful reminder about how we live in a world that's always about control. Again, how many of you have control issues right now? Give me a virtual hands up. You got control issues? I want you to know that this topic preached to me deeply this week. That's right, because just like you, I also have control issues too. And if you're going to say to me right now that you don't have control issues, that only tells me that you don't have kids yet. Okay, can I get an amen from all the, all the parents? When you have kids, you know, you realize that you have no control over everything. And I gotta honestly admit, sometimes I have a hard time letting go of the steering wheel. I wanna be in control. I feel like I wanna control all the outcomes of all the things that happen in my life. But you know what? Every single time that fails, just like you, I become frustrated. I become discouraged. It's a constant struggle of mine. And I have to keep reminding myself that I cannot control everything. There's only one thing that I can control. How much faith and trust that I'm willing to give up to God who is the one who, in, who is in control. So my sincere prayer for all of you today listening to this message is that this will minister to you like it did to me. Let me give you our big message and I pray that this will bless you like it blessed me. Write this down. Let God handle it. Let God handle it. Whatever that it is that you're trying so hard to control, maybe it's a person that you want to be better. Maybe it's a situation that you want to become easier. Maybe it's a worry that you want to get over. Maybe it's even an addiction that you want to surrender. Whatever it is, let God handle it. 
many of us are weak in this area. There are things that we are meant to handle, but there are things that we are also meant to surrender. All right, that's why sometimes the reason why we have no peace is because we're trying to desperately handle what God is lovingly asking us to surrender. What is it that you need to surrender to God this week? Surrender that difficult situation to God's sovereignty and remember that impossibility is God's specialty. Can I get an amen? All right, anyway, let's go to our gospel reading for today. Open your Bible to Matthew. We are in chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 24 uh, all the way to verse 28. All right, here it is. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. Now when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. Verse 27, the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Verse 28, an enemy has done this. The farmer exclaimed. Okay. Now, there are two main characters in the story, all right? Uh, a farmer and then the enemy of the farmer, right? There was a good guy and then there, there's a bad guy. Now, if this were a Hollywood movie, you'd have the hero and the villain. You'd have, for example, Thor versus Loki, right? You'd have Batman versus the Joker. You'd have Spider-Man versus Dr. Octopus or Doc Ock, okay? And you'd have this Transformer man Okay, this is an old Filipino comic and um, versus maybe the MMDA traffic officers, perhaps. <laughs> okay, point is, whenever there's a good guy, there's always a bad guy. And in this story, the good guy is the one who planted good seeds while the bad guy is the one who planted the bad weeds. Okay, in this story, Matthew was obviously pointing to Jesus as the good guy. He's the farmer. He's the one who sows good seeds into your life. Scripture says that everything good and perfect comes from above. So here's the rule. If it comes from God, it's got to be good. Hallelujah. Anyway, let's pray before we continue. I'll, I'll, I'll explain the word after this, all right? But let's close the word. I want you to bow, your, bow down your heads. And I want you to feel God's presence wherever you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here visiting my space, my personal space. And I thank you, Lord, that this is a safe place. Thank you for the moments that you always come. You're always here, Lord, but sometimes I don't notice you. But thank you right now that you're making your presence felt in my life. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would activate our minds, our hearts, and come alive in us in the next few moments, Lord, so that we can understand the words that you are going to speak and that we would know exactly how to put this into action this week. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, everybody. Let's sing in honor of God's word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wherever you are, I, I, I pray that God is going to use our message for today to bless you, inspire you, but above everything else, that it will change you. All right? So based on this parable that we just read, the parable of the weed, wheat and the weeds, we are going to give you five very powerful and practical lessons. All right, are you ready? 
I hope that you're ready. Here's the first one. Write this down. Evil is real. If there are good seeds, naturally, there are also bad seeds. And whether you believe it or not, you know, an enemy, it's around us. He is around us. Some people call him Satan. Some people call him the devil. But whatever his name is, make no mistake, he is the enemy. Okay? And his mission, his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that you hold precious and dear. His one mission is to peel you away from God's embrace. And he will do anything and everything just to do that. He will scatter weeds among the wheat in your garden in order to confuse you. He will plant, you know, uh, burdens in your life so that you will become distracted with the blessings that God is planting. But here's the thing. You know, there is a tendency for us to credit every wrong and bad thing that happens to us to the devil. Like for example, when someone's house burns down, when, when someone dies of a debilitating disease, when someone gets murdered, when someone steals money from taxpayers, you know what we do? We credit all those to the devil. And yes, there might be a presence of evil in all of that, but here's the thing. Don't be too hasty in crediting the devil too much or else you might end up acknowledging him in all things. You know, if evil is real, guess what? God is also real. Kindness is real. Compassion is real. Hope is real. Healing is real. So here's what you need to do. Don't acknowledge what the enemy is doing. Instead, announce what God is doing. Can you clap your hands wherever you are right now? Let me preach this for a moment. I want you to get your amens ready, okay? In the face of calamities and tragedies, and difficulties in your life, here's what I want you to do. Declare the presence of God in all of that. See, the devil might use corruption or prostitution or depression or murder or hopelessness or worry or every evil act in this world to advance his mission. But here's the thing. We have a faith that says and believes that God can also use the very same thing that the devil meant for evil and then use it for his good. See, what the enemy meant for your pain, God will use it for his purpose. What the enemy meant to destroy you, God will use it to deliver you. So I want you to declare it out today so that the devil can hear it. God is good. God is good. He really is. And all the time, God is good. Amen. See, when you experience a burden this week, be the first to say in the face of your problem, give me one burden and I will give you five blessings from that one single burden. Keep acknowledging what God is doing in your life. Amen, somebody. Here is the next lesson. Okay, next lesson. When you do good, you will face opposition. That's the honest truth. When you do good, you will face opposition. I mean, look at this. Jesus was doing a good thing by serving the poor serving the rejects, serving the outcast. But the religious people, the religious leaders actually, they wanted to kill him. I mean, how crazy was that? This is proof to anybody out there who might be wondering why do bad things happen to good people. This is proof that no matter how good you are, no matter how much you try to be good, there will always be someone who will hate you for it. And sometimes, you know, they will even fight you in the name of God, just like the Pharisees. You know, they believed that they were doing God's will, except that they weren't, okay? Expect to always face opposition. Let me share this. 
when I gave my life to God many, many years ago, 12 years to be exact, I had an expectation that, you know, life was sort of going to be a little bit easier because somehow you think that because God is right now with you on your side, you know, you're going to start winning every single battle that you fight. You know, you, you, you ever think like that? That because now God is on your side, you think that you're going to be triumphant in everything that you do? And somehow you have this expectation that life will be easier. But the truth is, you know, the reality is that life remains the same. You still experience problems. You still experience challenges and obstacles. Let me be the first to tell you this. Life doesn't get easier because God is on your side. Okay? God doesn't promise that you won't go through some valleys. But you know what He does promise? He promises that He will go through that valley with you. That's God's promise. Someone asked me a few years ago, you know, during the height of my busyness in ministry, this person asked me, don't you ever get tired of serving the Lord? You know what? I smiled and I said, you know, one thing that I've come to know in all these years of serving God is that I will always experience problems. You know, whether I'm in ministry or whether I'm outside of ministry. But the only difference is that if I'm in ministry, I know that at least God is with me. Okay, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to go through some storms in this world and in my life, you know what? I would rather go through that storm knowing that Jesus is in my boat. See, when you give your life to God, I want you to expect four things. All right, quickly. Number one, expect dirty hands. Expect dirty hands. See, when Jesus started his ministry, what did he do? He didn't waste any time getting his hands dirty, right? He went straight to work. And boy, did he love the dirtiness of the job. Because why do I say dirtiness of the job? Because loving people is a dirty job. Why? Because people are messy, right? People always come with problems. People always come with difficulties. In fact, when people first walk into the feast for the very first time, usually something in their life is in a mess. Did you experience the same thing when you first came to the feast? But along the way, what happened? Healing was given. Cleansing was given. That's what Jesus does. He cleans up our mess and then He bandages our wounds. How, have you ever seen a carpenter with spotless hands while they're painting some walls? That only means two things. Either He's not really doing anything or someone else is doing the work for Him. Okay, so if you're going to get real work done, you got to expect that your hands would get dirty along the way, okay? When you serve the Lord, expect that your hands would get dirty. Number two, expect discomfort. You know, serving the Lord, it's not always a comfortable thing, okay? In fact, I'm thinking right now of some people. I'm thinking of our former ministries when we were still back in PICC, for example. I'm thinking of our intercessors. They would come very early on a Sunday morning, pray over the seats before the attendees would come. They would pray in the background for everybody while the session was happening. God bless you for doing that. I'm thinking also of our welcomers, our greeters, our ushers, people who would come very early in the morning to bring people in, greet them with a smile, and then take them to their seats every single time in their beautiful attire. I miss you guys so much. I'm also thinking right now of our young David servants. Uh, we used to call them our payong ministry. They would fetch people from the outdoors and then bring them indoors on a hot or rainy day. In fact, all of them would come very early on a Sunday morning to PICC. While the rest of the world was still sleeping, they would come to serve those who would come later that day. Okay, I'm thinking also right now of our worship teams. Thank you so much, guys. 
everybody who would prepare and record a week before so that you could produce the worship music and the worship session that we love to partake in every single Sunday here at Feast at Home. I'm also thinking right now of Didoy and Mai, our priests and the rest of our liturgy servants who make the effort of making the Holy Mass possible every Sunday. Thank you guys so much. In fact, I'm also thinking right now of all the workers, the frontliners, the breadwinners, everybody who goes out every single day to risk your health in order to make a living for your family. What's my point? Serving people is a calling and a calling is not comfortable. But why should you live out your calling? Here's why. Because it's only in living your calling where you get to fulfill your greatest purpose. Amen. Number three, expect death. Expect death? That's a little morbid, Brother Audi. Okay, don't freak out, okay? This doesn't mean that somebody's gonna lynch you or hang you or, or crucify you, all right? Let me explain. When you give your life to God, God will ask you to die to yourself, okay? Because it's when you die to yourself, that's when you start to become selfless. You know, you remove pride from the picture and then you begin living for others. Once upon a time, the Japanese samurai, they had this strange term that they used to define and describe an honorable death. They called it a good death. Have you ever heard that? Maybe in the Hollywood movies, a good death. You know, they willingly accepted death knowing that they fought with honor and courage. See, a good death in God's kingdom, that's when, it, when you know that you have served God's people. That's when you know that you have served the people that God has appointed you to serve. How? With selflessness. You give it your all each time, humbly and sincerely. Do you want to serve the way Jesus served? Serve with selflessness. Die to yourself every day. Die to yourself because it's only in death when we feel most alive. Amen? Here's the last thing. Expect disadvantages. I want you to expect some disadvantages when you give your life to the Lord. Because just like I said earlier, the enemy's mission is to remove you from God's embrace. So when you start obeying God, expect some opposition. In fact, when you start doing big things for God, you know what happens? The enemy will also start doing big things to discourage you. That's what we call spiritual oppression. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. It's when the enemy opposes what God is doing in your life. See, the enemy will try to do everything to discourage you from loving and serving the Lord. Think of, uh, for example, think of yourself as a soldier of the Lord. Okay, a, a, a soldier. Why a soldier? Because a soldier, guess what? A soldier is not surprised when an enemy shows up, right? A soldier is not surprised, he's not shocked when an enemy attacks. In fact, a soldier knows with absolute certainty that the enemy will attack. So, he doesn't have a tantrum, number one, when the enemy attacks. Why? Because he's expecting the enemy to do this, that, that thing. See, when you are on God's side, expect a spiritual battle. Prepare yourself for a counterattack. Go into God's presence as much as you can because you're going to need that. Prepare your heart. Pray for strength and courage and love. So when the battle begins, you are battle ready. Okay? You are always ready. One last time again. Are you having a difficult time because you're trying to control what you know you cannot control? 
I want to close with this message, okay? I'm about to close. I, I thank you that you're still here. I want to give you four powerful message, uh, four powerful words that comes from Philippians chapter one. And I'm telling you, this preached to me so profoundly. So I want you to listen to this, okay? When Paul was in prison one day, Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel. And, and he wrote to the people of Philippi saying that other people were also preaching about Jesus. You know, he noticed that some people had good intentions, but some of them, they also had bad intentions, like the wheat and the weeds in the story. The one who had bad intentions were probably even happy that Paul was in prison because, you know, it gave them a competitive edge over him in what they considered to be like a contest in preaching the gospel. That's how other people thought. They wanted to surpass Paul in what he had already done in ministry. And so Paul says this in verse 15. He says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, and supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Now here is a word that I believe will set somebody free today. Paul says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Can I preach this for a moment? Come on, can I preach this to you for a moment? But first, let me give you a little disclaimer, okay? This is not a political speech. Okay, know that I would never use this digital platform to advance any political agenda ever. Okay, I just believe that this reflection is just too good for me to pass on. See, let me explain. During the height of the presidential race in the United States, everybody saw how the former president, Donald Trump, was very quick. He was so excited to announce and proclaim the, that the vaccine that the world was already waiting for was finally ready. And praise God, you know, but what many did not know is that actually the Trump administration might have played a big role in, in advancing it, but they weren't the ones who started it. In fact, it all started, you know, with the Clinton administration. They were the ones who started the research about all of these vaccines, not exactly the coronavirus vaccine yet, but they started researching about the, the, the need and the benefit of vaccines. And guess what? Bush's administration continued it. And then Obama's administration continued it. Trump's administration eventually continued it. And now look at this. Biden's administration will administer and implement it. What is my point? Get ready for this. In the midst of all the credit grabbing about who did what, who started what, who implemented what, whose name is on this tarp, whose name is on that tarp, who started Skyway 3, Paul says it loud and clear. What does it matter? See, it's not important who started it. What's important is that everyone benefits from it because in the end, my dear friends, really, what does it matter? Only the name of Jesus will be echoed forever anyway, right? So stop letting the silly stuff sidetrack you from what's really significant. I mean, you will be surprised. Half of the small stuff that you are always worrying about, God has already worked out. So what do you do? Let God handle it. Let God handle it. If you are receiving this message loud and clear, say hallelujah. Hallelujah, somebody. Have you ever asked the question,
Lord, why are you allowing evil to exist in this world? Can you not just wipe out all the evil people and let the good people survive? Can you, can you, can you please? We ask that question when we get hurt, when, when somebody abuses us, you know, we, we say, why? My dear friends, if that is your question, you have come to the right place. We're going to address that question right now. Hi, my name is Bo Sanchez and welcome again to the feast. And which brings us to lesson number three from this profound parable. Lesson number three is this. God allows good and bad to coexist. Let's continue reading the parable. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out, sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. So there's still justice. There's still going to be judgment day at the end, but not now. Now we're going to let the, the, the wheat and the weeds the coexist. The roots of the wheat and the weeds are so intertwined. The same soil that feed the weeds will feed the weeds. Evil is parasitic. It's like cancerous tumors in the body. They eat up the good cells. That's why good and evil coexist. The story that I'm going to share with you, you've heard from me before, but I need to share it again. When I was 12 years old, I was... I gave my life to Jesus and it was beautiful. But I was living in spiritual la-la land. I believed that all my religious leaders were perfect. All my church friends were holy. And our prayer group of 30 people is the, was the next best thing to Pentecost. We were going to revolutionize and change the world, you know, with our little group. Um, so everybody, everybody was wonderful and holy and angelic, etc. That was my mind. That was my thinking. Um, didn't last long. No. One year later, I was 13 years old when something catastrophic happened. We gave a Life in the Spirit seminar in a city in Laguna. And after that, we stayed in one house. I was staying. We spent overnight there. And I, I stayed in the bedroom, same bedroom with my religious leader. Ten years older than I was. Not a priest, but looked like a priest. You know, always wearing his white barong Tagalog, large crucifix around his neck, bringing his Bible everywhere he went. Good preacher. Um, he molested me, cried myself to sleep. The next morning, I left, I walked out of that bedroom, um, seeing the most repugnant sight I have ever seen or probably will ever see in my life. My molester, my religious leader, I saw him in the middle of a circle of young, young friends of mine leading the morning prayer. At that moment, I only had one question. I said, God, why are you allowing this monster to even exist in this world? It's the same question. You know, why, are you, why did you allow Hitler to kill six million Jews? Lord, why do you allow these corrupt politicians to steal billions, billions of pesos, billions of dollars? And there are many people who are starving because of them. Why, why are you allowing human trafficking? Why are you allowing drug lords that are destroying the lives of millions of young people? You know, you just want God, you can just snap your finger. This parable is addressing that. It is. And, and you might say, why? Wheat and weeds coexist. Here's the thing. The badness that you see in them. I'm pausing. 
because I want you to think about this because this is, this is difficult to swallow. The badness that you see out there is also in us. You know, there has been a tidal wave of religious scandals um, the past few months. Charismatic preacher, amazing communicator. You know, when I listen to this guy, wow, my jaw drops. He's great. He's awesome. Pastor of showbiz stars. That's how good he is. They found out he was committing adultery and it was really ugly. And then there's this other guy, Bible teacher, apologist, brilliant fellow, amazing individual, died of cancer. His fans mourned the passing of a great man. And then one by one, women stood up, spoke. After his death, that man abused me. Woman number one, woman number two, mom. investigators investigated, and it was true. He was living a double life for decades, serving God, preaching, talking about Jesus, explaining the Bible while abusing women. Now, we know this, you know, scandals happen in all religions, in all churches, you know, conservative, progressive, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, uh, hey, it's all over. Catholics, you know this, our Catholic church has been rocked by pedophilia, the horrors of pedophilia, and, and, and sometimes it shakes our faith, and Lord, why, why, why? The temptation is this, to sit on our high horse and to say, monsters, monsters, monsters. I beg you, before you do that, to understand that the same evil that caused them to do that is alive and kicking in us. The same temptation, the same weakness, the same sin. And so the two reasons, and this is the parable, this profound parable of Jesus is giving us two hints to answer our question. First, how can God kill the monsters when the monsters live in us? Number two, our discernment skills are bad. That's what the parable is saying. I want you to look at this picture, wheat and weeds. They're so similar, right? In Palestine, they're called the bearded darnel weeds, meaning to say when they're young, the wheat and the weeds, they look alike. That's why you have to wait until harvest, because at harvest time, they will look a little bit different. I want you to think about this. Um, Oh, let, let me share with you about Light of Jesus, our spiritual community. Once upon a time, this was in the early years. We're 40 years old, so this is in the first 10 years. <laughs> we, 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 oh gosh, we like labeling people, you know. You're wheat, you're weeds. <laughs> you're bad, you're good. And how? We set rules, spiritual rules, you know, religious standards, you know. And you, you're not able to fulfill this. Oh, sorry, you're out. And, and uh, we wanted, we, we did that. We didn't, we never got the memo. We never got the memo that Jesus wants to build a messy church for messy people, which is lesson number four. I'm, I, I want you to think about this. That, that think about this. This, this is, this is beautiful. I, I, I hope you're listening. Um, Jesus, he ate with tax collectors and prostitutes, and he, he ate with sinners. And, and this is the church that he was building. The, the reason, the reason why, you know. When I say that the monsters live in all of us, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. You know, when I look at those scandals and I look at these, you know, these preachers or these pastors or these priests who, who did horrible things, I look at myself. Because when I was molested as a child, you know, you know one of the things that, that happened in my life is I developed a pornography addiction. So as a young preacher, I was serving God and giving my life to God. And then I would, you know, in the preaching by day and looking at porn in the evening. I was living a double life. You know what healed me? By the grace of God, a messy church. A messy church healed me. 
because I had these accountability partners, friends who loved me and accepted me because I, I confessed. I, I told them, you know, I'm, I'm going, I have this addiction. And, and they loved me and they forgave me. And they said, we're going to journey with you, Bo, until you get healed. And they did. They accepted my mess and I got healed. And that is exactly what Jesus is building in this world. We're, we're our discernment skills are horrible in the sense that, I'll give you two examples. Number one, um, we overemphasize sexual sins. We do. We think they're the, the worst sin. But then when we are indifferent to the poor and their suffering, it doesn't even flash in the radar of our, of our conscience. But it should because injustice and greed and selfishness are pretty serious sins. Um, second, we kind of maximize the flaws of others and minimize our own. That's, that's, that's us. That's human nature. And uh, it's hypocrisy. Which brings me to final lesson for the day. Are you ready? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Every human organization is broken because every human is broken. You know, a lot of people idolize me. Oh, they do. They think I'm amazing and wonderful and gifted and holy. I want you to know that I'm a human being and I don't care how great a human being is. I don't care how amazing and gifted, etc. a person is. If he's made of bones and skin and if he's a human being, he's got hang-ups and he's got issues and he's got sins and he's got weaknesses. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The mess around you compels us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Only He can save you. Only He can love you. Only He can bless us in the way we need that blessing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcast.